This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Well, let's see if we can find a little flow here this morning, a little vein that we can, we can just tap into as it relates to the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful. How many of you agree that that's the case? And it, it can really come and impact our hearts in a, in a, in a profound way. So we're going to just dive in there a little bit. But before we do, just to kind of set this up, I want to share a, a little bit about our trip this summer when we went on this missions journey to Eastern and Western Europe. And the first stop, I want to show a photo of uh, a couple, um, Tony and Eddie Gogu. Um, let's see if they'll be put up here in just a second. There they are. And so what's, what, what's unique about this couple that I just want you to know and understand is I met them in 1995, April of 1995, where Tony was a young man. I was in my late 20s at the time, and he had just finished law school, and he was our interpreter while we were in that nation for the couple of weeks that we were there. Now, Albania, you should study the, the, this nation. It's a really unique country because in modern-day history, it's one of the only nations that was a complete, totally atheistic state under communism. So communism came in, took over the country, totally atheistic state, meaning there was no underground church. Like we're in China or Russia or different places like that, Yugoslavia at the time, there was, you know, communism that was reigning, but there was always an underground church, but not in Albania. So when communism fell, the gospel came rushing into that country, and I was privileged to be able to see that, experience some things that I've never witnessed to this day, and met Tony on that trip. And what was unique about um, him, after he had finished law school, he was in this tension of feeling called to pastor and love on people, but knowing that God had taken him through law school for a specific purpose as well. So he was you know, dialoguing with me about this, and I said, hey, Tony, what's in your heart, man? He said, well, it is to be a pastor, but I feel like there's some direction on law. Now, mind you, this is almost 30 years ago, and there wasn't a whole lot of talk about the value of bringing the kingdom of God into the legal space or the educational space or the medical space or the business space, and that you have tremendous authority as a believer in those realms. And he did it. He went down that pathway and thank God for social media. We kept, we're able to keep in touch all these years. Hadn't seen him in 20, almost 28 years. And I said, Wendy, you got to come with me and let's go see what's happened in Albania. And guys, the Lord has completely transformed that country. Amazing. Unlike anything I've ever seen. And Tony, long story short, he kind of rose through the ranks and now he's one of the highest, highest um, members of parliament in their government in the country and they call him the evangelical pastor um, of politics if you will in that country and he's been uncom- he's been uncompromised in that space just by the grace of Jesus and it was beautiful to see him and what his wife and he are doing there it's it's amazing why do I show you their photo? I want to show you, let me show you one other, a uh, couple other photos. Uh, the next one is Terry and Marianne Moore. We went to actual Bible school with these guys 
in Texas. They told us this, I actually forgot about this, that, that we were the first people to invite them over to our house for dinner. Um, when they first came to the U.S., they were nervous. They'd never been out of their own country before. And they said that that greatly impacted them and they never forgot that. So we kept in touch with them as well. They went back to Switzerland, went on staff at a small little church there. Long and short, they ended up becoming the pastors. Now they have a church of almost 1,900 on a Sunday that is, is the largest French-speaking church in the nation of Switzerland, which is not a Bible Belt nation, okay? It's just, it's amazing what they're doing. But what's, yes, God is amazing. But what was uh, awesome about both Tony and Eddie and Terry and Marianne is though we hadn't seen either of those couples for over 30 years, it felt like we never left off from where we had last connected. Really powerful. There's a, there's a principle there that you need to understand that's very true and dynamic as it relates to the kingdom of heaven. It was like we never had any space from the last time we were together. One other couple, um, Nathan and Courtney McConnell, they were actually a part of this community up until 2016. We sent them out to uh, Scotland. They took over a Church of Scotland um, dying group of small little believers and man now they are just thriving in the, in the Lord and hadn't seen them in forever as well and felt like same thing like we just picked up where we left off the last time and so on this trip and here's what I want to kind of dive into for the the time that we have this morning is I really felt inspired in my heart that the only way the church is going to be the church and fulfill its mission is if we do it as a family. If we do this together, I'm gonna say it again. The only way that the church is gonna be able to be the church and fulfill its mission is if we do this thing together as a family. Now, when I say the word family, you know, there's lots of different definitions that we could maybe apply to that word based on our own experiences, right? But I want to kind of tap into this morning what spiritual family really is. You could actually equate this, equate this or say it another way that, that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven together. We're part of a whole other country. And that's the beauty that when we travel to different nations like Scotland and Switzerland and, and, and Albania, that, that though we were all from different places in the world where our citizenship, according to our passport, you know, was, was labeled, we were unified as spiritual citizens of this thing called the kingdom of God. There was a connection there that was so profound and so deep. I was just reminded of it and I wanted to speak to you about that for a little bit this morning because citizenship of the kingdom of heaven, the spiritual family is a concept that we all really need to understand. How many of you know that Jesus said that he would build his church, but we are called to steward these keys of the kingdom of God and understand in spiritual family 
And being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is so important to unlocking doors that have remained closed for generations, right? And closing doors and locking those things up that have been open way too long, that are bringing things into our cities and our families. The the, the way that we're going to be able to do that is having keys of understanding of the kingdom of God. And so we're going to just kind of jump into this key this morning where Jesus spoke about spiritual family. I want you to look at this with me. We're just going to go through one portion of text this morning in Matthew chapter 12. Verse 46, we'll begin there. It says, why Jesus was speaking to the crowds, his mothers and his brothers came and stood outside. Now, notice that they didn't mention, they didn't mention Joseph, Jesus's father in this text. Why? Because he was not a blood relative. So there was something happening here in terms of what God wants to reveal through the Holy Spirit, there were, there were the, the blood relatives, the mothers and the brothers, and they came outside and they were asking for Jesus to come and speak with them. Verse 47, it says, then someone said, look, your mothers and your brothers are standing outside wanting to have a word with you. Now, Jesus is amazing because he, he takes moments like this and instead of just kind of going with the flow in that moment, you know, and saying, oh, cool, have him come on in. He, he takes the opportunity to share a kingdom principle. He was always teaching. Everything he, he said was, was intentional, and it was, it was done in such a way so that people could grow and begin to understand who he was and what he was all about, which was spiritual family. He came to this world to teach us about the kingdom of God. Probably next week we're going to look a little deeper into that concept because it's so massively important for us to understand this concept of the kingdom. So here's what he said in verse 48. He looked at them and said, Hey, let me introduce you to my true mother and my true brother. Then gesturing to the disciples around him, verse 49 says that he he said, Look closely, for this is my true family. Now, here's what I want you to catch in the next verse. This is going to be where we're going to hone in this morning. Verse 50. This is so powerful and so profound. And we're going to ask the Lord to help give us grace today to hear and to see. He says, when you obey my heavenly Father, that makes you a part of my family. And we're not going to look at that through some religious lens. We're going to look at it through the gospel lens of the kingdom of heaven. All right? When you obey my heavenly father, that makes you a part of my true family. Here's the thing. Obedience opens the door for you to restore your citizenship with the father. What do I mean? Restore our citizenship. Did you know we were always a part of the one who created us, this one called the Father? And then at the fall, we're cut off and we're now alienated from the life of God as sin had come into the world. We all know the story of that. But here Jesus is now wanting to reintroduce us to the Father so that we can regain our citizenship. 
in the kingdom of heaven. How many of you know when you are not a citizen of a country, you have no authority within that nation? When we were in Switzerland, Wendy and I were thinking about immigrating over to Switzerland because of how good the fondue and how beautiful the Swiss Alps were, right? But you know what? They, they don't, they, they're really strict on immigration rules there. And so there's, there's a limited authority given only to those citizens that, that call that place home, that, that they were born there, that they were raised up there. But here's the beauty of the kingdom of God. We are being reintroduced to the Father so that we can have citizenship in this thing called the kingdom of God. So we can have authority on the earth. Have you know we're nothing without authority? Obedience opens this door. Now, you can look this up on your own. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. We know this, and here's the principle that's going to launch us into the, just going down the right pathway here this morning as it relates to this text in, in terms of a gospel lens. It says that to obey is better than what? Sacrifice. So obedience is way better in this thing called the kingdom of heaven than sacrifice. But religion will try to get you to just stay in the place of sacrifice. Well, Darren, what's the big deal about that? Well, I believe that obedience is massively different than sacrifice, all right? Way different. You can be sacrificially doing a bunch of things and God never asked you to do maybe half of them or three quarters of them or maybe any of them at all. But we can get in a mode where we think, hey, I'm really doing something for God. But that comes by listening to his voice and hearing what he's saying and being obedient to what he's asking us to do. That's the massive difference between sacrifice and obedience. Obedience is where you're empowered by faith. Everybody say faith. Faith is a gift from God, right? It's not something that we can boast in. It comes to us. This is why one of the things, if you want to pray for someone, pray that God would encounter them by his grace with this magical, beautiful thing called faith. It inspires the heart. Come on, somebody. It moves the very depth of us on the inside unto something great, which we were created for. To see greatness manifest. So faith comes to us and begins to tell us, like, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is the direction I want you to go in. Versus religious sacrifice of it being done in our own self-effort. It's exhausting. You will be burned out, wiped out if you go down that path of trying to follow God. Obedience is an action of our will. It is a doing, but it's empowered by grace and it aligns us with his will. That's the, that's the massive importance that we need to see in this. Now, Here's what I want to submit. I won't teach on this this morning, but I think I need to interject it here. Because of God's love, there is space given to each of us, even when faith comes and visits our doorstep. 
to have a choice at the end of the day on whether or not we're going to act in obedience to what God is calling us to do. Darren, why is that the case? Because love. Love has to play out in this world. And we can't be robots that even though the grace, when the grace of God comes and visits us, that we're forced to do something that our will doesn't align to as it relates to his. So this is important for us to understand that there's still choice involved. So there's, there's a mystery to that. I don't really fully understand it completely, but I know when God has moved on my heart, I've felt that nudging, that, that pull. And I remember just in all of those moments going, okay, am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? So here's what he says, just revisiting this verse, verse 50. He says, so when you obey my heavenly father, that makes you a part of my true family. Just for the remainder of our time, I just want to look at this word right here to obey. I encourage each of us in this room, download the Strong's Concordance app on your phone or go buy a hard copy if you prefer that. Because it's important every now and then to just kind of, as you're reading scripture and texts and verses, to maybe, as, as Holy Spirit highlights a word to you, just to click on that thing or go pull that, that, that word up in the concordance and go a little deeper in what is the meaning of that word. English language is so limiting in so many ways to what God is actually trying to communicate to us. So the original language that it was, that it was created in, there's a dynamic there that I think is so important, and that's why we have this beautiful tool. But to obey has seven sub-meanings. So there's a depth to this word. It's, 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 it's expansive. It's, it's not limited. And the first one is this. It means to band together. Oh, man. So there's something when faith begins to visit the citizens of heaven, the first fruit of that should be movement towards unity. Not, you see, in America, we, we have such a culture that has been a strength, but probably one of our greatest weaknesses of individualism. I can make it on my own, right? Lots of pioneers, lots of people have done great things, and we thank God for that. But listen, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, you need to move together with a tribe of people called those that are part of the kingdom of God, the citizens of heaven. To be bound together with these ones. Now, we know that the enemy is frightened right now because he is trying to get people to disconnect from one another, right? But God is going to have his way, and he's going to pull us and bind us together in love. Come on, somebody. Give me an amen right there. This is massively important. So whenever you feel disconnection from someone or something holding you back from tight, close relational connection to a fellow believer that is being obedient to God's will, you need to check yourself. You need to go, God, what is going on on the inside of my heart? Something other than Jesus is at work here. Right? I, sometimes I find that even times when I feel adverse 
feelings or whatever towards somebody, there actually might be the greatest and strongest connection that I'm to have with that very individual if I could just press past those feelings. Come on. Look at this. Look what the, look what the, the disciples who were against Jesus did in Acts chapter 23, just to give illustration of this. Look at this. Acts chapter 23, verses 12 and 13. It says, the next day, more than 40 Jews conformed, formed a conspiracy and bound themselves together. Same exact word, poieo. They bound themselves together under an oath to have no food or no water until they killed Paul. Now, obviously, that's being done in the, in, in, in the negative sense. But how many of you know, man, these guys were committed Committed to committing this heinous act. Wow, what if the church was committed to see the goodness of God come to the earth in such a way we'd be willing to forsake anything and bind together with one another to see something glorious transpire in our generation that maybe has never happened in human history. Come on, guys. We know the first citizen of heaven post-fall was Abraham. Super simple what happened with Abraham. God comes to him, hey, Abraham, will you follow me? The interesting thing is we don't know if Abraham was the first person or the hundredth person that he asked. Probably not the first. More than likely. Will you follow me? Super simple. I'm going to take you somewhere where I'm not going to tell you up front. Will you come and follow me? And Abraham's heart was moved to say one word, yes. This isn't complicated stuff. God's just looking as he moves upon us by faith for that yes. And trust me, when you say yes to what he's asking you to do, he will take care of the rest and he will pull you along the pathway for the glory of God. What was amazing is God saw into the future and he said, hey, because of your action today, faithful, obedient ones are going to be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. This thing's going somewhere. It's not not some remnant dying out church. It's, It's a movement of thousands and thousands of kingdom citizens that are going to be so encountered by the faith of God over their hearts. They're going to be just drawn and thrust into the will of the Lord and what he's doing in the earth. I believe it with all my heart. I really do. Take some of these faithful ones like we hung out with in in Europe this summer that, that have been steady and consistent. Gosh, I don't want to confess this to you this morning, but Wendy and I watched a documentary on Wham! last night. And I know no, no, hardly anybody in this room is going to remember Wham! and George Michael. But listen, here's the, here's the point. To the whole documentary, wake me up before you go-go, all right? But the, the thing that was amazing about the documentary is in four years, they accomplished some incredible things. Incredible things for, as a band that was kind of cheesy. I mean, super cheesy. Come on, somebody. 
But there was such honor between the two guys, uh, Michael and Anthony, I think it was Andrew, sorry, yeah. And just was so incredible, like what unity could do when they came together. And then in four years, they, they, they rose to the highest art. It was, it was amazing. I was like, man, Lord, if that can happen in the world, why can't stuff like that happen in your bride, God? This is what we were created for, right? We even know like the Tower of Babel, that God even said in their unity, that is disunified from my heart. They can accomplish anything they want to. Come on, church, we need to come together in this moment to see God do something great. We want to follow in the ways of Abraham. Now, have you ever heard that saying, blood is thicker than water? And we think that that has to do with natural family. Blood is thicker than water. But Jesus actually was trying to talk about something completely different, saying, hey, I have, you know, this family, but there's a real family that is connected by obedience to the Father. And that's where it's such a tension to live in, right, in this world when you are walking with God and maybe some of your natural family members are not quite there in that space or not there at all, right? Everybody, anybody ever feel the pain of that? Like, oh, this is my family, right? But this statement, blood is thicker than water, comes from Abraham. Where Abraham says to the Lord, the blood of this covenant. You know when they split open the the sacrificial, I think it was a a cow, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was a cow, I was going to say a lamb, but I don't think it was a lamb. It It was a sacrifice that was opened up and blood spilled out. And Abraham said, the blood of this covenant is greater than the water of my birth from my family. This is massively important because we know that Abraham did not come from a spiritually godly family. His dad was an idol maker. He was the son of an idol maker. So he said, Lord, this is really difficult for me to follow you, but the blood of this covenant is greater than the blood of my birth. In other words, my natural family does not define me. You define me. You define me. And so, yes, I'm going to follow you. Yes, this is stronger. But we see when we do that, that the blood of the covenant can affect our natural families as well. Come on. Oh, man. I mean, we could tell you, Wendy and I could tell you stories of like, of our, our experiences with God, our transformation in the Lord, and how that leaven overflowed out of our hearts and touched so many of our family members. It happened with Abraham. It happened with Abraham where his own sons were moved by this truth that was spoken over their father and they came and aligned with it perfectly as well. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse eight, as we get close to wrapping this thing up. It says, faith motivated Abraham to obey God and his call and leave the familiar to discover the territory he was destined to inherit from the Lord. So he left without, with only a promise and without even knowing ahead of time where he was going, Abraham stepped out in faith based on what God had done through this sacrifice. We see, as I mentioned, Isaac and Jacob influenced by the life of their father. Verse 9, it says, He lived by faith as an immigrant in his promised land as though he belonged to someone else. 
He journeyed through the land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were persuaded that they were also co-heirs of the same promise. I believe somehow that the the power of the blood of the lamb is going to have an effect on the water of our sons and daughters and extended family members that don't know Jesus. And that color is going to run red in a powerful way to bring people back to what they were always created to walk in. Come on. Last verse that we're going to look at. He says in verse 10, his eyes of faith were set on the city, I love this, with unshakable foundations whose architect and builder is God himself. I think it's healthy for us as the body of Christ in the world to say, are we building a castle within our own little kingdom? Or are we allowing God to build his through our lives and our obedient yes along the way? That's really, at the end of the day, all he's looking for. So what does it look like to have eyes set on the city of God, which is built not out of brick and mortar, but living stones? Well, let's look at the next three sub-definitions of obey. It's to observe, to agree, and to accept. It's interesting, isn't it? So there's first unity. And then as we're unified, we observe. We look and watch to try to have awareness of what God is already up to. How many of you know that we don't have to come up with our own plans? God is already on the move. And so he wants us to watch And he wants us to see. And then as we do, come in agreement with him and what he's doing. And accept that call over our lives. Super simple. Lord, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Right? We're going to run to him. And we're going to take on this non-heavy burden to, to see Jesus glorified. This is initially what it looks like to obey God. Observation, agreement, and acceptance are fueled by faith. When that happens, it moves us into obedient action. Action. What happens in religion is we get into action before we sit and unify and then observe and accept. When I was a little kid, my stepfather was the, the high school pole vault coach in, in my city for the high school track team. And I was like probably eight or nine years old, and I'd go out and I would observe what appeared to be, in my eyes, heroes, these, these phenomenal athletes, like flying over this bar that seemed 100 feet up in the air. And I watched it. I watched him do it. I actually, in my heart, came into a place of agreement. I want to do that. And I accepted that even if I crashed, broke a bone in my body, I was going to go for this thing. I wasn't going to allow fear to hold me back. 
Of course, I went to my dad. I said, Dad, I want a pole vault. And what did he say? You're too young, son. We don't have even a pole that small for you. Don't say that to Darren Davis. Come on, somebody. Don't, don't limit me at eight years old. So me and my best friend, Russ Canole, true story, went and grabbed these sticks off a tree from the mountains. We had all these uh, mattresses that his family had stored in their garage, and we set those as a pit to land on. And we didn't have a, a, a place to, and a way to put a crossbar up, so we stacked these pieces of wood, these big, huge chunk pieces of wood that my friend's dad would use in the fireplace in the shop at their home. The terrible thing is when you, when you missed or you came down on the bar, all of the stacks of wood would follow, fall, and many of them would come and follow right on top of you, and it hurt really bad. So what it did is it, it, it convinced us, like, man, we're gonna, we got to clear this thing, man. we got to get over this thing. But it established something in my heart, you know, as a little kid, like where I'm like, we can, we can watch and we can see things that move our hearts, whatever that is for you. Step out, do it, take a risk. Last three words of poeo or obey are to execute about this word continue don't give up don't give up and doing good don't quit what if you knew that you were right on the verge of your own breakthrough with one more action of obedience and yet you gave up quit. Execute what God is calling you to do. And lastly, fulfill. There's going to be a generation, why not ours, that fulfills this beautiful assignment to become this pure and spotless bride that draws Jesus back to this final and complete consummation with him to rule and reign over the earth. John saw it. He says in Revelation 21 2, he said, I saw the holy city. He's not talking about buildings. He's talking about people. The new Jerusalem descending out of the heavenly realm from the presence of God. Like a pleasing bride that had been prepared for her husband, adorned for her wedding. let you in on a little secret even obedience unto what God is asking us and the journey of that process is way more what God is after than some final destination come on when you achieve whatever then what you know what I mean like we should have goals we should see things come to pass but are we enjoying the journey with the Lord Are we allowing all of the ups and the downs to work for our good? Are we letting God into those spaces in our heart when sometimes we feel discouraged, when we don't have the yes in our spirit, when maybe fear is creeping in, when there's all kinds of, you know, stuff popping out of our lives in the midst of pressure? 
love this in verse 3 of Revelation 21. He says, I heard a thunderous voice from the throne. That place of authority, that place of headship, that place where the rule of God extends from to our lives here, even on the earth. There's this announcement, and I can close with this. Look, God's tabernacle is now with te- human beings. In other words, his presence is, de- is just dwelling with us here on the earth. And from now on, he will tabernacle with them as their God. And he himself will have a home with them. God with them will be their God. Do you know that happened with Jesus? This transpired at the resurrection of Christ who was seated on this throne and bridged the gap between heaven and earth. For the will of God to come. We know that because he taught his disciples, hey, pray when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is is your name. You are separate from us, but no longer because now I've bridged that gap. Pray this, my kingdom come, my will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Could you stand with me all over this room? Lord, would you bring such an act of freedom into this room today as you inspire us by faith to know that we are accepted in the beloved. None of us are alienated from an opportunity to know you in a profound way and to be influenced by faith to say yes to what you're up to in the world and including us in that plan so that we can journey with you in relationship. I'm asking God for a move, not only in this community, but in churches all across South Florida and across our nation and across the world. Lord, would you send faith from your throne to visit us? Would you break off fear and performance so that, Lord, we could come into this thing as innocent sons and daughters who just want to journey with their father? Would you do something different in this hour? Would you move upon our obedience that is fueled by your grace versus sacrificial religious activity that does and accomplishes nothing even though we're busy from the start of the day till the end and exhausted after it's all through? Would you come and touch down on our hearts today? Come on, just before we go, could you just make that a prayer over your own heart? I even feel over some of you in this room, your greatest hours and days and months are ahead of you. The enemy has whispered in your ear saying you're washed up. The dreams that you've had are not yes and amen, which is a total lie. Your greatest moment with the Lord awaits. A deeper journey of intimacy. A more beautiful expression of dependence and interdependence between us and God. Holy Spirit, come and have your way today in this room. Kenyon and them are going to go back into a song, but before they do, I want to ask a question. Is there anybody in this room that is feeling a tug from heaven, but you've been kind of stuck, just not making that move towards 
what he's asking you to do. Maybe there's a plethora of reasons for that. Maybe you've stepped out in that before and you didn't see what you thought was gonna come to pass. If that's, if that's you today in this room, would you mind, and we hardly ever do this, but would you mind just stepping out from where you're at and just coming down to the front, just in an action, saying, Lord, I want to move with you in this moment. Maybe there's some people in here that are weary, that they've grown weary. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Dreams held back can sometimes have an effect on our hearts. God doesn't want you to lose heart. He wants you to stay engaged with him in love and passion and intimacy. So as we sing, I want to invite you just to come. If you have kids, if you wouldn't mind going and just grabbing those from the children's ministry and giving those workers a big hug and you can bring them back in here. As we go into the song, if you need to be dismissed and leave, you're free and welcome to go. God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.